Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Let's get our Bibles out today and open them to the book of Second, or excuse me, First Samuel and chapter nine. First Samuel chapter nine, and we're continuing in our summer series here, uh, a series called "When Things Go Wrong." We've been hitting along uh, on different topics as we come through this book of First Samuel, and uh, and a new character today is introduced to us in the story in 1 Samuel 9, uh, who is Saul, and uh, he, we'll hear a little bit more about him in the weeks to come. But if you remember from last week's message, or if you remember reading in your Bibles in chapter 8, the sons of Samuel were not good men, they were not following in the ways of their father, and uh, so because of that, the people said, hey, we, you're not leaving a legacy for us, you're not leaving us with someone who can help lead us, and so they asked for a king, and they asked that, that God would give them a king, and uh, of course, this was not not God's first purpose for them, but it was within his, some people talk about the perfect will of God or the permissive will of God. I suppose some would say that that's the permissive will of God, and I, I, I don't know. I think he work, He somehow he takes those uh, things that are less than perfect and works them out for perfection. Because listen, what's amazing about this asking for a king, even though that's not what God wanted, is that he, through the king, kingly line after Saul, raises up David, who is a pre, uh, precursor, if you will, and a predecessor, and in fact, the line of Jesus Christ, uh, he's, uh, he's uh, uh, Jesus is a descendant of David, and in fact, there's this unmistakable connection between King David and King, and King Jesus, right? You know, King David becomes an example, uh, imperfect one, but, but even so. So it's amazing when you see how God turns what seems like a mess up into something glorious. But what usually happens is along the way, the mess ups cost something. And that's what we're going to kind of get into because they've asked for a king and we, uh, we come now to the story of, of Saul. So First uh, Samuel 9, we're going to actually, and, and if you have a Bible or if it's electronic or however you're doing it today, but we're going to actually read the entire chapter. So you might just want to leave it open. I'm not going to put, uh, I'll put some other verses on the screen, but I'm not going to put the text on the screen. So if you want to follow along, I'm reading from the NIV version. Let's start out with uh, these words uh, from 9.1. There was a Benjamite. Now, I'm going to stop and talk about that for just a second. It seems like a, almost a nothing. It seems like a passing comment. But this is very interesting that he He's a Benjamite. If you read the end of the book of Judges, you see that the Benjamites were a particularly wicked tribe within Israel by the, uh, at the end of the book of Judges. And there's one of the most horrific and sad stories in the Bible at the end, which I won't go into, but, but the rest of Israel decides the Benjamites need to be wiped out completely. And so they come in and there's so much slaughter. It's such a wicked and dark time in the history of Israel, but they wipe out their own brothers and sisters, so to speak, in the clan of ben, the Benjamites, and they only leave 600 men at the end of that. 600 men are left from the entire tribe. And so, so we have this interesting you know, mention of, uh, of a Benjamite, and that r- reminds us that there's this tiny little tribe that was almost wiped out, and yet somebody's going to come out of them. It's also an interesting connection that about a thousand years later, there will be another man that comes along with the same name, Saul, okay, in the New Testament, who is also, believe it or not, a Benjamite, 
This is crazy. And so he comes along, Saul does in the story, uh, and he, he, has a, he comes as one uh, who, who attacks the church and goes after the church, sends them to jail, sees that they're killed. He's the one holding the coats while Stephen is being stoned, the first martyr, and on it goes. And so all that to say that, that until God profoundly intersected this Saul's life, uh, he was a, a, a really wicked man. But then his name is changed to Paul, and he becomes, of course, the prolific writer and uh, apostle of the New Testament that, that we, we gain so much knowledge from Paul. So thank God for Paul. But I love that, that we're going to read a story about a man who has a downward trajectory named Saul, but a, a man in the New Testament who is heading in the same path, another Benjamite, whose um, trajectory will be up at the end because Jesus intersected his life. Are you with me? That was just a mini sermon within. I just had to mention that because I think that's a very cool connection there. But let's read it again. So again, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, and the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah. I don't know why all those are necessary, but uh, of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go out and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Cilicia, but they did not find them. They went on to the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. So everywhere they looked, they couldn't find these donkeys, and they, they've come to a place, and uh, I, I, I struggled with a title for this message, but the, maybe the best I can come up with is they've run out of options. So when things go wrong, what do you do when we run out of options? You can put up that slide that says that if you would. So there we go. So anyway, uh, it seems, I, I thought about naming it like when you're at the end of the road, right? Have you ever been at the end of the road? Have you ever kind of run out of options? Have you ever run into a time where you, it seemed like, wow, everything's kind of coming apart? But in this case, there were no options. They couldn't find the donkeys. And sometimes we go through life where we feel like, man, well, I'm just hanging on. Uh, there might be physical issues we face. Some of these prayer requests that we prayed for today, man, there was so much going on, wasn't there? And, and so there are physical issues, financial issues, family, emotional, past issues, uh, any combination. Or maybe you check the box and say, all of the above, Right? But, but I want you to know today that when we look deeper, that when we run out of options, God will intersect our lives and we will find the redemption and purpose that we're looking for in life, I believe, with my whole heart. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And God, we pray that you'll just speak to us through it today, that we will be open, uh, we'll have open ears, not these physical ears as much, but, but the ears that you would give us, like you say in Revelation, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And that's the kind of ears we want today, those spiritual ears that open up and hear the deeper things that you want to share with us. So God, I pray that if there's any distractions in the room, if there's anything that's causing us to, to wander, God, that you would help our thoughts to be focused in this next half hour or so. God, that you'd bless this time and you'd speak to us through your word. In Jesus Christ's name, if you agree, say amen. 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 So, um, so anyway, uh, there, you may have noticed as you've come up that there are uh, virtually completely done out here with all the construction. Thank God that was kind of a, a mess for a while and the parking was difficult. And, and uh, we, we, as a church, we have this building, but we really don't have much parking at all. We, we had eight spaces out there. And of course, I hope you all know you're welcome to use the Dogwise parking lot anytime. We have a church function. We lease that parking lot from because they don't use it much. 
And uh, so that's all good. But uh, when they gave me the plans for this, they said, okay, we're going to cut out three of your parking places. I'm thinking, man, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge, a huge number to take away. And so, um, so anyway, uh, they took away those three, and then they told me, and we're going to make it so it's back-in parking only. They, now, we, don't have, we have this tiny little parking lot out here. We haven't even got the stripes painted on it yet. It's just freshly paved. But they put two signs up to make sure that we know it's back in only. And I've received many uh, texts and, and uh, grumpy remarks from people <laughs> that say, that's silly, right? And I, I personally agree with you. In fact, the day that they installed them, I saw those signs. I put them up, and I was like, oh, man. And I'm kind of thinking I'm going to ask the city to reconsider on that because they, they're the ones that put the signs up. So, because I have some, some thoughts about winter driving and how that's probably not a great idea. But, so I, I, I saw the signs there when they put them up. I think it was Tuesday. Wednesday, I came to the building, and even though I knew the signs were there, I pulled in front first, okay? I did. And did anybody do that today? Anybody pull over here? Yeah, okay. Um, hey, I'm not here to judge, but, but as I pulled in, I, I had a little attitude. I had a little bad attitude because I was thinking, oh, dang. I pulled in forward, and the signs say, reverse in. And I, I sort of had an attitude, and in my heart, I could feel myself saying, I don't care what the signs say, I'm going to pull in the way I feel like pulling in. You ever have those conversations with yourself on the inside? Yeah, that's the conversation I had. And so I had that little thought go through my head, and immediately, don't you love the Holy Spirit? <laughs> immediately the Holy Spirit said, now what kind of example would that be? <laughs> and I said, Holy Spirit, I'll just park somewhere else. I don't even want to park there anymore. <laughs> Anyway, so if you ever see me pulled front in, you can decide one of two things. Either I forgot or I'm in rebellion and you need to pray for me. Yeah, did you forget? Okay, okay. Well, maybe you didn't see the signs. That's fine. Um, one of the uh, gals in our congregation, Carol, um, she, she wrote me a text and said, what's that all about? And I said, well, you know, they put up these signs. And she said, she said well, I have a pipe wrench insinuating... So I texted back and said, you know, my fingers are in my ears. You do what you got to do. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you know, and to take it a step further, um, we don't own that entire parking lot. Part of it's city property right away. But about a third of that blacktop is ours, and the signs are actually on our property. So I suppose a case could be made that they were trespassing when they put those signs there. <laughs> you like it? You think it'll hold up, huh? I don't. Anyway, uh, it reminded me of a story I read once about a guy who, he was from the Department of, uh, oh, it's Drug Enforcement, uh, DEA, that's it, thank you. The DEA uh, guy stops by a Texas ranch, and he, he goes to this old rancher, and there was some confusion over some crops that this rancher was growing on his land. And anyway, he went over, and he, he says, he says uh, I need to inspect your land here. And the guy says, no, you, you don't want to do that. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to go on your land. And the, farmer says, uh, the rancher says, okay, you can go anywhere, but don't go in that pasture over there. And the guy says, I'm going to go wherever I want to. I see this badge right here? This gives me the authority to go anywhere I want to, anytime I want to. And the guy says, okay, have it your way. So pretty soon the guy uh, ends up going over to that particular pasture to look around and didn't know, but that's where the rancher kept his prize fighting bull, right? 
And so sure enough, uh, pretty soon he, the rancher hears some noise. He runs over to the fence, and the, the guy is running for his life as this bull is chasing him through this, this pasture out there. And he's, he's just not, it looks like he's not going to make it. And the rancher yells out, show him your badge! Show him your badge! Well, just because someone has the authority to do something doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. And maybe this is a stretch, but that rancher was kind of out of options, wasn't he, when it came to like, well, you could do what you want to do, I guess. And that's, but the, the, but the, just because we run out of options, the story doesn't end there. And I love that about how God redeems things. In our text, Saul's at the end of this journey of trying to find these donkeys. And, and I want to suggest that just like Saul, God will lead us to a place where, where we will run out of options of our own abilities, of our own strength. And it's at that place where we will end up finding the things that we really need in life. It's, it's an incredible thing. Let's, let's do this journey together. So I'm going to give you three things. I believe there's three things that uh, progression that Saul's going through. I'm going to walk those through. And I believe every one of us will go through these things. And if we're not going through these things, we almost need to invite the Lord. Lord, bring me to this place because he's got a good journey for us to go on. So, so when you run out of options, the first thing that will happen, I believe, is you find an end of self. To find an end of self. We're going to keep reading the text a little bit here, and then we'll explain that. So in verse 5, when they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, and my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, Look, in this town there's a man of God. He's highly respected, and everything he said comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Saul said to his servant, If we go, what can we give this man? The food in our sacks is gone we have no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered him again, Look, I have a quarter shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us which way to take. Verse 9 in a parenthetical statement says, Formerly in Israel, if a man went to inquire of God, he would say, Come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Good, said Saul, uh, Saul said to his servant, Come, let's go. And they set out for the town where the man of God was. So Saul was a fairly young man at the time, and he was, again, going on search for these donkeys. We tend to look at loss in our life as, as trouble, but often when we lose something, it could be an opportunity for us to see the hand of God at work. And in fact, I think that sometimes the Lord helps us lose things, right? Like, the, 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 uh, we think this is a bad thing, our donkeys are lost, but... This is going to be working out for good here. God's going to orchestrate it. Let me give you an example of that, what I mean when I say that. This is going way back to 1978 for me. And I was a young man in Bible school. I was living alone in a little uh, studio apartment kind of a thing. And, um, and somehow or another, I don't remember the circumstances, but in the late summer of that year, I uh, had, had gotten a, a check for $160. I went to the bank and cashed it. Now, uh, that doesn't, may not sound like a lot of money to you, but in today's dollars, that would be like five or $600, right? So I had this cash, and, and, uh, and so I, I, was, I was home, I was at my house, and I was thinking, man, I don't want to be carrying around this money. And so I folded it up, and, uh, and I, there was a window on the back of this, and it was a ground level, and I thought, what if somebody saw through the window and saw that money? I'm going to do something a little more safe with it. So I lifted my alarm clock up and just stuffed it under there and promptly, honestly, forgot about it, all right? I totally forgot that that money was there. And so I went on and lived life. And fast forward all the way to the beginning of December, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there. I have very little money. I'm, 
doing all I can to pay for schooling. I'm working really hard and just hard to keep up with just paying for rent and these things. You know, it's tough being a college student. I didn't have any help from outside sources. I had to do it all on my own. Not complaining, just saying that's the facts. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm in my apartment one day. I'm sitting on the corner of my bed and I'm thinking about going home for Christmas. I think, man, I would love to go home for Christmas. And, uh, but all, and, and my car had broken down. That's the other part of the story. So all I had was a motorcycle at that time. So I'm not going to ride a motorcycle from L.A. to Roseburg, Oregon. So I'm sitting on the edge of the bed thinking, ah, just, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of complaining out loud. And then I just lift a little kind of half-hearted prayer to God. I said, God, I would love to go home and be with my family and friends back home for Christmas. Um, you know, and just kind of threw that out there. And as I lifted my eyes from prayer, I glanced across and I could see something green underneath that alarm clock. So I walk over there and I, I picked it up. And they, as I say, they were folded. So I peeled off the first one, which was a $10 bill. I went, wow, I didn't remember that was there. And then you might be thinking, you're kind of crazy. You didn't remember that. But anyway, and then I peeled off the next one, which was a 50. And then I peeled off the next one and it was a 100. And I was like, and back in those days, uh, you could fly to and fro to Los Angeles for 100 bucks, and I had Christmas money besides. You understand? Now, you say, well, that's not a miracle. The money was always there. Yeah, you're right. But the timing, you understand? When I came to an end of self, when I came to an end of like my ability to do what I wanted to do or what, what I even felt God wanted me to be able to do, I was just at the end. There was no hope. But it's in those moments, Right? Okay, so God can provide any way he wants. And for me, the miracle was in the timing of that and finding it when I did. And I had a wonderful Christmas, got to go home. So the first thing we find when we look inside and we start looking for answers inside of us is, is that if we're looking at ourselves, that, there's a, that we will come up short, right? That, that I myself, self does not have the answers we need in life. Self always comes up short. Finding the end of self is actually the best place we can come to and come quickly. Like if you're resisting that at all and you're thinking, no, I can do that. No, just, just give up. Just, just put your hand, raise the white flag and wave it to God and say, I'm done. Because, because that's what God wants us to do. Because that's when he can move in and begin to help. And so Saul in this story has come to this place. Look, look they were out of food. Saul didn't even have any money to go pay a seer to, you know, to give him a gift so that the guy would tell him where the donkeys were. He, he had to rely on someone else. He was really at the end. You get what I'm saying here? And so his wisdom, his ability, his good looks, even his extra head of height was not helping find these donkeys. So, so when it came to the point of having something to, 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 to move on with, he was in trouble. And it's been my experience in life that finding the end of self is really uh, it's not hard to do, and it's really the best place to start. Are you with me so far? So, this, so we need to do that. It's a great place to do, and that's when we move to our second point, which is this, find help from God, all right, which is you begin to understand where I'm going with this. We're going to find some help from God. We'll pick it back up in verse 14 now. They went up to the town, and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. See, I love that because, because we've got this terrible thing going on, but the Lord has already seen tomorrow. He's seen, don't take any thought about your, your future, right? God's got it. He knows what tomorrow brings, and he's going to take care of you. And so, so I love that the Lord is already orchestrating things ahead of time. He's already working things out so that, so that we're going to be okay. 
So uh, verse 16, about this time tomorrow I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. And to whom, this is an amazing statement, you go from talking about donkeys to, and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family. Pow! Like, wow, what a moment. And Saul, having looked for these animals on his own, was unable to produce them. But his servant gives, gives him the answer by saying, let's go turn to God. And so, so Saul follows along. It's good to have people in your life that will speak to you in moments like that and say, listen, let's go to God right now, right? Let's go to God right now. It's time. You see, in Old Testament times, if you needed help from God, you had to, you had to seek it externally, let's say. You had, to, you had to go find it externally somewhere. But now that Jesus has come, this is what's remarkable for us as believers, is that, that, that the Bible tells us that Christ is in us. The, the answer you need is not a far out there. It's not way away from us. Like you have to, you have to, you know, look toward, you know, because we, we sing about God being in heaven. I get all that. But do you understand? He's also in us. He's right here in us. And so sometimes we're thinking the answer's way out there someplace. But can I tell you that because Christ is in us by his spirit, the answer is actually here. It's right here. It's so close. It's so close. And when we look deeper inside, we'll find that answer. It's, the answer is not us, but it is Christ in us. Colossians 1, 25 through 27, we'll put that on the screen. It says, I have become its servant, uh, speaking of the gospel, uh, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, look at this in verse 26. The mystery. He's saying there's something going on here. It's a mystery and that, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. There's something, there's this mystery. It's been hidden for a long, long time, but is now disclosed to the saints. Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. If you know Jesus, you're a saint. Okay. So he's talking about you. <laughs> this mystery has been disclosed to you. And here it comes. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here it comes, which is, here, say it with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You catching this? See, this is saying there's a mystery. I like good mysteries. Do you like good mysteries? Do you like to watch them? I think they're fun. Unfortunately, a lot of mystery shows travel into graphic uh, violence or, or sometimes horror, and I'm not into any of that stuff, but I love, I used to love the old Perry Mason shows, you know, and uh, some of you are looking at me like, who's that? <laughs> uh, anyway, but it was always try to, it was good to try to figure out who, who was the one who did it, you know, and uh, uh, my, my wife, Rhonda, she really loves these shows, and she'll, she'll like try to figure them out, right, as they're happening. Oh, that's the one, that's the one that did it, and sometimes she gets it right or whatever. But, uh, but I remember watching a TV show uh, back when I was 13 years old, and it was a movie, and um, I don't remember much about it, but the whole show was about this guy who's traveling through the southwest of America, and uh, for some reason or another, a trucker was trying to run him down. 
okay? And at some point, he's like, he's almost being pushed off the road, and he's hiding, and, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's, there's lots of distance between towns, and finally he gets to a phone booth at one point, and he tries to call the police, and just as he's getting on the phone, he looks, and the truck is bearing down on him, and he jumps out of the booth just in time as the truck mashes through. The try, guy's trying to kill him. And this goes on for like an hour and a half, two-hour movie, and you're just, and never do you know who's in the truck or why the guy's trying to kill him. And then at the end of the movie, they come to this big canyon or something out in the southwest, and, and he's driving along, and the guy's following him and following him. It's like, like a gasoline truck or something. And anyway, at the last minute, he opens the door and jumps out, and the truck can't stop in time and goes off a cliff and bursts into flames and the, obliterates the cab, kills the occupant. The credits start rolling. <sighs> Man, that's not funny right there. That's not cool, guys, right? Because they never said who he was or why he was doing what he did. That's not a good mystery, folks. A mystery that doesn't, you know, mi listen, mysteries are meant to be solved, <laughs> okay? You see how why that would be so frustrating to a 13-year-old? Why? Why is he doing that? There's no explanation ever. And so, so, but the Bible's telling us there is a mystery here, and it's the mystery that we, are, we ourselves are lost we're unable to find ourselves. And it's hopeless when we look at ourselves. But thankfully, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, wants to have a relationship with you and me. Isn't that profound? And that sounds great. But, but when we look at this holy God, and then we look at us who are not holy you know, in ourselves, we think, uh, how's that ever going to work? That's when the mystery comes in. This is, this is the mystery that's going to get solved because what he does is he put, he, because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, his death on the cross, his blood being shed, the resurrection from the dead, now we can have Christ living in us. So we become holy. That's why we're called saints. And now we can have that relationship with God. The mystery is solved. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for giving us the answer and not leaving us to figure something out that was impossible. So Saul is found the end of himself. He comes to Samuel who represents God. What Saul doesn't see and what we don't see is that God is orchestrating all this. He's working things out. He's bringing Saul to a place of reaching out for his help. And God will do that with you and me too. Sometimes we're, we're bummed with the troubles we're going through, right? We're like, ah! And, and I'm not saying God is bringing troubles, but sometimes he's allowing troubles in our lives so that we will reach out to him. So we will we'll be in a place when we will try to find, because when we get the help we need from God. So, so understand, God will do this with us too. We don't have to go to a prophet or a preacher to hear from God. I should hear an amen there. Okay? Because we can hear from God for ourselves. I'm not saying prophets or preachers are uh, not valuable. Uh, at times they can help us. But listen, you, you can come to me and you can say, Pastor Sal, here's my situation. Uh, like, let me walk you through this. And I might be able to... Uh, from the Word of God, begin to share some stuff with you, and that might turn on some light bulbs. But here's what I want you to know, is that whatever I would say to you or whatever some prophet or other preacher would say to you that would be significant in your life, if it is not backed up by what you feel God is already speaking to you or that God somehow confirms with you at that moment, then, then, then you can just cast that aside until you do feel like God's in it. Because you can hear from God for yourself. You don't need me. See, this is why, you know, no offense, but we're, this is why we're not Catholic. You don't need a father. You don't need a preacher or somebody who intercedes to God for you or talks to God for you. You present your request to me, I take them to God. No, 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 that's not where we're at. 
Every one of us is a saint. Every one of us has access to God. Every one of us can find the answers from God that we need because He's in us. Are you with me? And finally, let me wrap it up by saying this, is that when we find the end of self, we find our answer in God, we will be led to, the final point is this, find your place in the kingdom. Finding your place in the kingdom. This is really what God's after in all of this. He's, it, it, the plan of God requires that we come to a place where we know it's not about us, it's all about Him. Okay? And it's not just about a relationship with Him as if that was the end plan, but He has even more for us because He has a purpose and a destiny for each and every single one of us today. He has something in mind that He wants us to be and do. And, and so now we go back to the Scripture and we'll read the rest of the text. Actually going to go all the way through the first verse of the next chapter. So read along with me. Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? Is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Again, that's important because Saul doesn't have the social standing or the right pedigree. And we think this too. We disqualify ourselves and we, because of our past or our upbringing or our perceived lack of talent or resources. But know this, don't ever disqualify yourself for any reason whatsoever because God does not disqualify you. Verse 22, Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant to the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took the leg that was with, uh, with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, Here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion. From the time I said I have invited guests, and Saul dined, uh, from that, excuse me, from the time I said, I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called Saul on the roof. Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while, that I may give you a message from God. And then, verse 1 is important, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? Wow! What an incredible, incredible moment. And, and Saul is like any one of us would have been in a situation like that. We think we've been sent out to find these donkeys, but, and we think that our place in this world is unimportant. But what God really has in store for us is that we would not only find the help that we need and the mystery of Christ in us, but we also find our place in the kingdom of God. That's what he's after. God ha Listen, God has this indescribable and incredible destiny and purpose for every single person in this room. Every single one of you. You were created with a unique gift, talent, ability mix, if you will, that nobody else has just like you. Just as unique as your fingerprints are on your hands is the uniqueness of the gifting and the, the, the things that God has made you to be. No one can take your place. You are important, every single one of you, to God's kingdom and to this church that, that you're a part of here. And we're thankful that you're a part. And, and this is why we're crying out constantly for people to get, get, get involved, to get their gifts, because this is something that God has ordained you to be and do. And the reason God designed you the way He did was that this greater purpose outside your own immediate needs in life could be achieved. That's what He's after. It starts with, again, knowing who we are in Christ. We're accepted, secure, we're significant. And then knowing, 
who we truly are, we need to know what it is that he would have us to do. Samuel will soon give Saul these specific instructions and send him on his way. He not only tells Saul that, uh, who he is in the kingdom, he'll be the king, but he tells him also what he must do. And I believe God does the same for us. In other words, when we know what God thinks of us and we know what he's called us to, uh, then we're free to serve him in some capacity in the kingdom. I love that. And the Bible tells us that we are a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Look uh, on the screen here, Revelation 1, uh, 5 and 6, kind of an overlap of the end of one verse and beginning of the next. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, other versions say a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's why he has designed us. That's what he's made us to be. He's made us to be a kingdom, under a king, but serving him in his kingdom. But we're also priests. We, each one of us, can go to God. We can seek God. What they used to uh, go to a seer for, we, we don't need anybody like that now. We go for ourselves. But then furthermore, and if this isn't remarkable enough, this is the part that blows my mind, is when, uh, when not only are we in this kingdom, but, but it says in Romans 8.17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I want you to know that being a co-heir with Christ is not a future reality will happen someday when you get to heaven. It's right now. It is right now. You have the inheritance already that Jesus got. When it says all power and dominion and might is given to Him, Jesus is sharing all that with us. If we'll just take hold of it. We'll understand we have it and we can take hold of it. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. And so, so we've come to this place where we understand there's a kingdom that God has and He has called us with purpose, every one of us, and a destiny within that kingdom. Amen? Amen. Worship team, come on back up. Well, again, when I was 13, I not only watched a stupid show on TV, but at some point in that same year, um, my dog uh, that I had, my, my dog's name was Arrow, and um, for some reason at that point in my life, from moving a lot and some stupid things that I had done and said, and, and just, I didn't know the Lord, and I didn't have a dad to guide me, and I just, I, I just made a mess of my life by 13. Can you imagine being a, that big of a mess? And, and I'm not asking for sympathy, but, but you can feel sorry for me if you want. But here I was, a 13-year-old, and I can honestly say I really didn't have any friends. I did not have any guy friends at school. There was a, a girl that um, we had been boyfriend and girlfriend, which was stupid at 13. <laughs> yeah, that's just so dumb. But anyway, but, but even we had broken up, and though we still talked, it was... It was awkward, and I just didn't feel like I had anybody in my life at all. But I had this dog, Arrow, and I, I know you can understand when I say, I felt like he was my only friend. So, so one day I, I come home, I don't, know, I don't remember where I'd been, but I come home and Arrow's not there, and I didn't think much of it, but then dinner time came and Arrow wasn't there, and got into the evening, and I went outside and I called a few times, you know, in those days, uh, we just let the dogs run free, and... You know, it's just different times. Can't do that now. There weren't any animal control people running around town. You just, the dogs went out and did what they did and came back. And every day Arrow would come home, but he didn't come home that night. So I remember as a, this just young 13-year-old guy, um, you know, getting pretty emotional about it. 
It was starting to really hit me because you, you get to a place where you feel like, man, that's all I've really got right now. You know? So I, I leave the house and I tell my mom, hey, I'm going to go look for Arrow. And so I start walking. And I honestly, I think I probably walked three or four miles throughout the neighborhoods all around this little town in Massachusetts where we live. And I walked up and down these streets and I was yelling for my dog, Arrow, Arrow. And I remember toward the end of my loop that I was doing through all these streets where I'd, I'd just walk through the woods. I'd walk through a whole bunch of places, never saw him, never heard from him. And I remember getting to a real end of self, <laughs> a real moment. And though I didn't know the Lord, I believed in God. And I thought God could do something about this. I really think he could do something about this. But in the foolishness of my, my youth and not really understanding who God is, I thought, well, I better make a deal with God then. You know, he's going to want something from me. If he's going to do something for me, I better do something for him. That's the way relationships work, don't they? Thank God. It, <laughs> you know what? Aren't you glad that, that, and you learn later, even while we were enemies, Christ died for us. So I had it mixed up in my puny little head, but, but so I said to God, and, with, and, and I, I feel that a 13-year-old boy shouldn't be crying, but I was out there crying. Because it was, it was more than the dog. You understand what I'm saying? It was more than the dog. And I'm out there crying. And I just said, God, please, please help my dog come home. And I said, if you do that, I'll go to church. That was my deal I made with God. If you, if you do that, I'll start going to church. Because I figured that's what God probably wants me to do. I, I had no knowledge that he really just wanted my life. That I didn't have to perform. I didn't understand any of that. But I just thought I'd make a deal with him. I went home, dog wasn't there, went to bed, sad. Woke up the next morning, there was Arrow. I said, okay, God. So, so I went to this little Baptist church for about six weeks. Nothing wrong with Baptist church, by the way, but, but they were weird, I'm just going to say. And they were singing songs, I didn't understand it. There was nothing for my age group. There was, it was just a small little country church. And one day this girl came in, she was a hippie, because I lived during the hippie, and she had this tie-dyed dress on, and her hair was all, wah! And, and she stood up in the middle of a song that was this, this old hymn, I don't even remember what the hymn was, and I, didn't, I couldn't even sing along, these were so awkward, these songs, and then she just stood up and just said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus! Now two things happened, number one, I was scared out of my mind, I thought, what kind of loony stuff is that? Now I am one of those people. But the other thing that happened was a bunch of ushers came down the aisle, grabbed this girl, and literally drug her out of church. And, and that just, something just didn't set right with me. So I, so I stopped going to church, and, and, but it was not more than a year and a half later that we would move all the way across the country. I would hear the gospel and the truth of how it really works. And I would give my life to Christ. And then I became one of those people that stood in church with my hands raised. And like, you know what I'm saying? But, but all of that, honestly, and that commitment I made to God as a young man, even though God wasn't asking me for a commitment, but isn't it amazing? I probably haven't missed three weekends of church in my whole life now since then. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I don't do it out of some obligation. I do it because I love Him. I just want to be in His presence. 
And so you, you, you think, this is a ba-, you know, you might be in the middle of a really bad place right now. You might be in a place where you're crying and you're sad and you feel lost and you feel alone. But that's not a bad place to be, folks, let me tell you. If you'll just, if you'll just turn to God for help. And you'll think beyond even that momentary thing of the help that you need, but you'll understand there is something bigger He's got for you. There's something greater. There's a destiny He has for each and every one of you. I'm not saying you have to come be a preacher like me. That's just how it all turned out for me. But there is a destiny for every single one of you. So so may God help us to come to an end of ourselves, quit leaning on our own strength or wisdom and abilities, and find our help from Him to be shown that place in the kingdom. Amen? Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.